Oh boy, guys, I did a whole recording on my way to work yesterday, and somehow it got lost. Not very happy about that. In case you wonder what that sound is, that's my windshield wiper. Let's turn it off. I'm in the car, going to work. It's the uh, 26th of February, so it's time for my update video. So I got some listener feedback. <laughs> And one person was like, oh my god, I hope that guy with the raw meat's not going to be on this show today. Uh, I was looking at his Instagram pictures, they're so disgusting. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Because my friend Heroin, he likes to troll. And I guess he likes the negative attention. And if he can do something that's shocking, I guess he's going to do it. Um, but he just posted, I've been trying to, talking with him uh, on the phone a lot. And uh, he... <clears throat> made some kefir with um, with yogurt and um, jalapenos and they turned out pretty good okay <clears throat> so here's some updates on my part first of all I bought kefir off of Amazon from Florida Sun Kefir and it's water kefir not milk kefir so it turns out that there's two types of kefir one grows in water with sugar and one grows in milk and the water one can also grow in milk, but it doesn't process the milk in the same way. So I ordered myself some kefir uh, starter, milk kefir starter on Amazon, and I also ordered some kombucha starter. So we should be good to start more fermentation uh, soon. Um, now, <laughs> kombucha is for tea, um, water. Water kefir can be used to make um, like fruit drinks, like fermented. Uh, well, the YouTube videos they were taking, um, they basically fed it sugar in water, and then they added in um, like lemons and some fruit juice and sugar, um, and then they fermented that. Actually, they added the fruit juice in later. So in the beginning, they just added in sugar and maybe some lemons, I suppose. Um, and I got some baking soda the lady added. And then they fermented that. And then they strained it off. And then they fermented it again uh, with fruit juice. And they made, like, a drink. So we're going to try that. And I added some sugar to the places where I added the um, water kefir. I added sugar as well. So into the Jamaican hot sauce, I added some sugar so that it would, uh, with Jamaican scotch bonnet peppers, I added uh, the mash that I made in the big bottle. Yeah, so <clears throat> since I lost yesterday's recording, I'll have to re-tell re you. I basically inventoried the 21 plus uh, bottles mason jars of hot sauce that I have started. Um, I tasted all of it and added some water and some salt and removed uh, some of the uh, white uh, lactobacillus that was growing on the top of this. Um, the, you got to skim off the um, stuff that's growing on the top on some of them. I also removed the carrots that were also starting to uh, decompose uh, on some of them. Um, now the most amazing tasty ones are all the red peppers and the orange peppers um, the habaneros 
the Jamaican peppers, the um, the Holland red peppers, but also the Korean peppers that were green were tasty. Um, the Aberol uh, peppers that were dried, I think, were turning out pretty good. A lot of the, um, the darker, heavier um, peppers that were dried uh, are not that great. Um, I changed the water on them, and I'm going to add in more water to the dried peppers. I'm going to try and get that fermentation going. I hope that there's something to ferment. So I'm just going to keep on changing the water on it and then trying to get that that fermentation started on the dried peppers. We'll see how many times I have to change the water. I'm assuming that the, uh, the, smoke, the smoking and whatever they did to the peppers uh, kind of killed off or acts as an antibacterial. So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe I will add those in, if they taste good, to a different one. So I'll, maybe I'll start mixing the dried peppers um, with the hot peppers. And then this is where I was talking to uh, Ariana. She said, my wife, and she said, basically, you know, what are we going to do with all these peppers? And she said, well, we could take one, one or two of the super hot ones and then mix that in with a whole batch of uh, torshi or, um, you know, pickled vegetables. So we can get some, like, cauliflower and some cucumbers and some carrots, um, green tomatoes. I got the tomillos. Um, and we take all of them and uh, basically uh, put them into a big jar, start fermenting them like kimchi style, and then add in some hot peppers for taste. So definitely going to do that. Um, but I also think we could try and make like a super hot sauce, like with the habaneros and with the Jamaican peppers. Um, but I also just make them isolated. We'll see. I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to mix. Now, the, the ones that did not taste good were the, the Korean twist peppers. They were green and twisted. And they were really bitter, and they did not taste so good. You know, some of these... Um, oh, the jalapenos were definitely very tasty. Jalapenos tasted great fermented. The red ones especially so. Anything red, anything ripe that contains the sugar really starts to take off with the fermentation process. So I was really happy with all of that. I tasted everything. Um, even the uh, turmeric in dill, I tasted that. That was good. Um, the leftover carrots that I put into the brine were also tasty. I kept them. Um, yeah. So the next step is going to be to get bigger bottles for the, with more water for the dried peppers to give them more space to grow because I packed them in way too tight as well. Um, and we'll see what we can do with that. But I collected all the juice that I poured off, I collected to a big bottle and it's basically dark brown. And I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Uh, I'm kind of suspect with it. I'm not even sure it's too healthy. I'm not sure. Um, all those, all those smoked peppers. What's going on with that? If that's really something you want to drink, but uh, we'll see. I didn't want to throw it away just yet. So that's the pepper update. Now, uh, on the raw milk front, I uh, long story. We went all the way down 
I looked up on Google for raw milk farms. So it turns out that Pennsylvania allows you to sell raw milk legally. You're not allowed to carry it across state borders because it's against federal laws or sell it. You're not allowed to sell it across state borders. Um, I'm not sure that they actually would like track someone down who has New Jersey plates who might have happened to have bought some raw milk in Pennsylvania. So, basically, the Amish guys, uh, so we went to this farm, supposed farm, I should have called them ahead of time, they were in the middle of a residential district, I'm like, oh my god, how could their farm be possibly here, and the address just turned out to be someone's house, so I called them, and they're like, oh yeah, we don't sell that anymore, I'm like, well, where can I get some raw milk, and they gave me an address in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, like three hours away, so I'm like, no way. Now, the Dutch, the Pennsylvania Dutch, also known as Deutsch, Pennsylvania Deutsch, um, are the Germans, actually. They're not really Dutch, they're Germans. And they often live in Lancaster and travel all the way up here to run their markets. Um, Stolzfus, which means Proudfoot, is one of the families uh, that I see here in Trenton, and I see them also at the market we went to, and long story, we went all the way to Bristol, Pennsylvania, and they had a cheese shop there, they had an actual Amish farmer's market, the Bristol's, Bristol Amish market, and they sold cheese and raw milk, so we bought all of their raw milk, we got the... Uh, got the goat's milk and the normal milk, and um, I put some of those water kefir in it, I thought it was milk kefir, so I put some of those water kefir in there, um, it didn't really start, so I started looking into it, and it turns out it's the wrong stuff, so I added sugar to it to give the kefir something to grow on, we'll see what happens, it's starting to separate a little bit, the milk, uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't use all the milk. I just did a one mason jar full of it. So we got that going. And then I've got larger jars full of different types of peppers I started putting together. And um, so we got a whole bunch of peppers, and they really taste great. Uh, I mean, some of these peppers are very, very tasty. The salt, the pepper, um, the fermentation, the smell, it's all uh, really exciting. Yeah, it's a pleasure to look at. I re-cleaned up all the bottles and I put them into a fresh, uh, fresh place. I got rid of the plastic bags. I put them all into these plastic bins. So, um, yeah. So that's what's happening over there. Um, so the other topics I wanted to cover... Well, yesterday in our talk, we talked about some DevOps stuff about um, using Ansible and uh, Code Build. I've been um, I've been using Ansible as my scripting language, basically, um, and Code Build as my um, containerization platform. So uh, it's possible to also use one job to create a container and the next job to use that container. 
um, but it's a lot of uh, hassle. So I just went over to rebuilding everything from scratch uh, as I need it. It takes a couple of minutes more. Um, eventually, I'll get around to um, fixing that up. But it's a it's a nice batch system. And then, well, if you want to do something interactive, if you want to process the data, I also loaded some of the data onto an EC2 instance. The results of the batch I stored in S3 for doing some post-processing. Um, but I want to move towards really making things reproducible. Um, especially with more people uh, working with me things need to be documented, they need to be reproducible, um, so at least having one, at least having one, uh, at least having it automated and runnable from the scratch is a good step towards uh, making things reproducible, um, at least someone can study the code, and not, not have like bespoke commands that you have to run um, following documentation, and you just run the script and it works. So that's kind of where I'm going. And I suppose I could, um, you know, even do remote executions using Ansible. So like, okay, run this command, get these results, etc., etc. So even if I had to do kind of ad hoc, ad hoc stuff, I could do it at least in a scripted environment using Ansible execute that remotely and then say okay well for this job I ran this script against that server even if it's basically ad hoc it's something that would be reproducible I mean it's not totally ad hoc it would be uh, somewhat flexible yeah and um, yeah, I'm just thinking about it's a long story. I don't even want to get into too much uh, private uh, details that are uh, going to be private. So um, we'll leave it at that. All right. Oh yeah, and then the other update is we went to this uh, Polish. We went to this Polish um, World War uh, Veterans Party. It was a carnival party at the Polish World War Veterans uh, uh, Fortress in downtown Trenton, in one of the bad areas of Trenton next to the jail, right off of Cass Street. That's not a place that you really want to go at night. I was actually scared to go there. Um, but uh, they were a tough, tough crowd. I mean, those guys uh, fought against the Russians and the Germans and... They were pretty tough, the Poles. You gotta, you gotta give that to them. So, they had a great. So first we went in the morning. We went to the, the the European bakery, or AKA the Polish bakery, and we got some of these. Well, in Germany they called them Krapfen, or Berliner, or Pfannkuchen, even. Um, and basically they are jelly donuts, like puff, like balls of dough filled with. Uh, fried and uh, fried and fried dough, uh, powdered sugar, and then filled with uh, cream or jelly, and they were just amazing. 
know, in Germany we had them all the time for this time of year, for the carnival time, or it's also known as the um, Mardi Gras time. Americans are way too uptight to celebrate that too much. We never really celebrated that. So at work, we had some Mardi Gras cakes and stuff going yesterday. So, um, yeah, Fashing Steen Stock. So, uh, we had all that going. Um, and then at nighttime, on Saturday night, we went to this party. And um, I was just a chance invite because I saw a flyer somewhere. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And they're like, we're going to have a pig roast. And they had a literal pig roast. They had a suckling pig, a big one. And it was on a spit, and they, like a big rack, and they roasted it. It was so amazing. It was so good. And all the food was good. Everything was good. It was like variations on pork. We had so much pork that night. But they had, like, all types of, they had fresh killed uh, pierogies. They had salads. They had uh, everything. And a lot of heavy drinking, too. Now, one of the things that I was really surprised about, I mean, these were really high-level poles. These were not like working class, these were like like military leaders, these were like upper echelon, and then none of them was drinking Polish vodka and they weren't drinking Polish beer they all had Finlandia, they all had the expensive stuff and I thought that was actually quite interesting that no one was really um, into the Polish uh, alcohol I guess those are, that might be lower class, I don't know anything um, but they were all drinking the good stuff, the, uh, the Finlandia. So I guess it's kind of a status symbol, like, oh, I'm not going to drink, I'm Polish, but I'm not going to drink Polish vodka, I'm going to drink Finnish vodka. So uh, that was kind of weird. Um, I guess it's a status thing. But uh, the guy told us, he said, it doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are, where you come from, as soon as you enter this door, you're our family. And they treated us like family, and they had a big dance, and they were playing music of the 80s. They had, like, I'll be watching you like with Polish version, they had the Polish version of all the hits of the 80s, they had all these other Polish songs, and these guys were dancing and dancing, everyone was dancing, I even danced a little bit in the end, so we had a great time, it was a lot of fun, a little cultural experience, I love uh, going to these different, I guess it was, a, I guess we really crashed their party, because we were the only outsiders there, and we had a whole table to ourselves and everything, but it was really something special, never forget that. I'm going to write them a letter and say thank you uh, for inviting us to your club. It was a real experience. And really, um, I have to do some more research. There's, I did a quick search. There were some famous military people from Trenton, either born in Trenton or died in Trenton, from Poland, who fought in the World War. Like, There's a whole bunch of history that I have no idea about um, that I have to read up on. Um, it's going to be amazing. So we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll have to follow up on that. Um, the whole chapter of, of Trenton and Polish history, I'm going to do some more research on. I should do some Wikipedia articles and, up, you know, do some up, uploads onto Wikimedia Commons and, and let people know what's happening. Okay, so 19 minutes recording. I'm at my office. Thanks for listening. I hope I'm not going to lose this recording today, so I'm going to make sure that I save it. All right. See ya. All right, now... One thing I wanted to mention from today's uh, morning recording that I didn't get to uh, throw in there, so I'm just going to tack it onto my um, my episode. But I'll post an update on the uh, on the interwebs about it. 
So, I think this is actually important. So, uh, on the Epic Gardening podcast, I'll have to find a link to the episode. They talk about how grassroots... And I'm not going to go into all the details because I don't know all the details, but the, the gist of it is... Let's just talk about the concepts. The concept is that the grass... Um, grows roots that are like 12, uh, really deep, like 12 feet, or I don't know, 20 feet, or something really big, and these roots send out, they create a biotope that's even bigger, so the, um, basically, uh, the grass takes the sunlight, converts it into sugars or other things that are eaten by microorganisms, and then those microorganisms uh, feed other microorganisms, which feed other microorganisms. It's a whole chain of events. It's kind of like a. Um, it's kind of like a uh, microservices architecture, you might say, with little bacteria and microorganisms. So you got microservices that the grass is actually feeding and cultivating. The grass is a steward of these plant of these things and eventually it feeds the worms and the worms are going to eat the nematodes or something it's this whole chain of events but the worms are being cultivated and fostered by the grass so and i'm thinking that humans have a long-standing relationship with the fermentation and we're basically cultivating these um cultivating these bacteria uh and externalizing them, so by, by, um, by fermenting the stuff outside of your tummy, you're actually saving yourself work in your tummy, and, um, you know, creates a symbiotic relationship. Now, we could talk even more about how cultures evolve with different types of bacteria and all that, and then we could also talk about symbiotics between the genes and what came first you know the bacteria the humans maybe the bacteria is cultivating the humans to create a better environment for it you know that's like a crazy that's just like a crazy idea you know if you think about like Richard Dawkins and stuff the selfish gene anyway um, I don't want to go too crazy in this podcast right now but I just wanted to throw that out there that um I think that humans have been probably cultivating fermented foods or living with it, you know, or creating a symbiotic relationship with the fermented foods for a long, long time. And that, um, you know, there's a reason why we crave these foods and they're incredibly satisfying and they make you happy. Just think about the work you're saving. Um, And I have to say, my digestion has been great. Uh, I've been eating a lot of kimchi and also I made this crazy thing where I mixed all of the torchy, I mixed all the vegetables that I had lying around and I just threw everything into this big pot when creating the mother load of fermentation and eating that, um, my, uh, I don't want to say bowel movements, but you know, my digestion has been incredible. Uh, I've been feeling great. So something's working right. Um, and, uh. I think that there's, I think that we're onto something now. Um, even eating rotting meats, I mean, there's a cutoff period. Like when you eat steak, they age the steak for a while. So I'm thinking to build up to that, you would just like, um, eat like rare steak 
or tuna and let it age and you can start by aging it one day and then aging it two days still cooking it in the end or not leaving some pink in the middle but I'm wondering you know what is the limit where you start to uh, start to um, to notice it and if you could build yourself up to eating that you know I talked to the one guy from Guam he lived in Kansas and they called him Guam for some reason but he was saying that they eat this green meat and that they uh, they pull, they ferment this meat for long periods of time but you know cheese is also basically the same thing so we're going to see what happens uh, with all of this. Um, I'm definitely going to try um, aging some beef and drying some beef. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess if you ate it every day, instead of like leaving it in the jar to ferment, you like eat a little bit every day and see what happens and see how you adjust to it. Anyway... I just wanted to share all that with you, and but the main point was is that the symbiotic relationship between the grass and the biome, and I think that we're actually doing the same thing. So just think about all of this yeast and kefir as like the human being's extended biome. Even ants are cultivating fungus, um, but there's also examples of fungus that cause animals to do crazy stuff that basically kill themselves. Um, in order to help the plants, and that they're actually ex exerting totally irrational behavior. So maybe it's actually the other way around, that the fungus is the, let's call it the Cthulhu, or the ancient god, you know, that these are the ancient gods, and that, um, you know, basically, uh, basically that uh, they're the ancient gods, and that we are the um, their minions who are basically helping them out. I mean, just think about that for a while. I still like the craziest idea ever. I know Harry's going to like that because the crazier the better. So anyway, you guys have a great day. I'll see you later. Bye.